me, why don't you give your neighbor a high five and say, He lives on in me. Hey, great to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Take a seat. You're looking fine. You're looking good. Had a good day. This morning I was in Tokoroa. Had an awesome time. It was wonderful to see salvation responses. Ministry time was excellent. Fantastic. I know you've had a wonderful day here too. So awesome. Well, if you're a visitor, we give you a very, very warm welcome. Church, can we put our hands together to welcome our visitors this morning, or this evening, I should say. And uh, as you leave the auditorium, as you go through on the right-hand side, you'll see some white packs there. Take the opportunity to grab one of those. You'll find out a lot more information about the church. And there's the opportunity to fill in a visitor's card so we can learn more about you. And that would be fantastic. Wow. Who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays? You've had a birthday? Yours is coming on Tuesday. You want to come out here and grab a crunchy bar? Any other birthdays, wedding anniversaries, engagements? Who would like some chocolate? Why don't you come out the front and grab some chocolate? The first three people. Well, here we go. Here's three people. Okay. Church, why don't you stand with me as we declare this prayer of blessing? You've got to stay here. So here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them a hand. Very good. Okay, we have a missions video. So, Tegan, if you can run that for us, that would be great. Thank you. Hello, it's a great pleasure to be able to present Global Missions 2016 to you today. I'd like to sit in front of you today and say, look, we've seen 500 churches planted in the last year, but that's not the case. Our focus has shifted and the focus of our missionaries has shifted somewhat to working with people groups that it's actually really hard to penetrate with the gospel. But I encourage you, please invest in Global Missions. We are right on the edge of the Great Commission where we have been asked to be. We're working hard on every front and we are seeing results. It is a great pleasure to be on this journey with you. making disciples and starting churches as well as doing that in Hong Kong. Thank you so much for your support and partnership with what we're doing here. Hello, my name is Kay, 
I'm a missionary in Brussels, Belgium. Hi to everybody at Activate Church in Hamilton. My name is Brent Weaver. I am working in Kyiv, Ukraine. I'm involved predominantly in disciple making amongst uh, Ukrainian young people, uh, meeting uh, new people through our English clubs and uh, summer English camps. You're most welcome to come along to them in July and August this year. Church, thank you very much for supporting us uh, over these many years. Igniting church planting movements in Western Europe, that's what we do. Uh, what I saw in 1989 is beginning to take place. Very exciting to see the momentum beginning to build like crazy. So thank you so much for your support. God bless you. That's so cool. Isn't that so cool, church? Yeah, it is amazing. You know, for over 25 years, this church has made investments all around the world. I remember one year, probably 2006, I think it was, that year, 512 churches have been planted in China. Just phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. And although not every year is like that, our investment, our prayer, our partnership is making a huge difference. Heaven has been populated because of our partnership with missionaries around the world. Isn't that so exciting? 
So on your seat, you'll notice uh, there is a, a missionary card form with two hot balloons. Well, actually three or so, isn't it? Hot balloons on it. We want to give you the opportunity to fill that in over the next eight weeks and write a message, a postcard to our missionary. So you would have seen their names there. If you're not sure, Elsie, would you like to stand this evening? Let's give Elsie a big hand. She is instrumental and preparing all this information and coordinating the work behind the video. So well done to you, Oscar. It's fantastic. But if you can take the time and to fill in a brief note, put it in the red envelope, so the red letterbox or on the giving stations, and these then will be collated and sent to our missionary. So that's fantastic. At the door, there is another card. looks similar to the first one. But here is our faith commitment card. And I just want to encourage you to pray about this and seek the Lord what your faith, faith commitment can be for 2016 and 17 to partner together to see the gospel spread around the globe. Isn't that so exciting? It is so, so cool. And here's what we do. We can pray. We can go and visit. As Brent has said, said there, we can actually go over to the Ukraine and be part of that with him. So it's absolutely fantastic what is happening. So isn't that awesome? So why don't you give your neighbor a high five and say, let's fill out a card tonight. Your enthusiasm is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Take the opportunity to fill in that card. That's good. So a few other highlights for you. Pastor Sheridan and Jan are away for the week, having a time of refreshment. So that's great for them. We have We Are Camp. If you haven't signed up for that, youth, I can I really encourage you to do so. Who signed up, guys? Awesome. Sounds as though there's plenty of space there to go. So take the opportunity to fill that in um, at the hub. That would be awesome. We have a men's breakfast on the 7th of May. And also we have Shane Willard sharing with us too through uh, on the 14th of May. So that will be wonderful. So really encourage you to be part of those things. Lots of exciting things coming up. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Aram to come and share communion. Let's give him a hand as he comes. He's the man. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. It's, a, it's an honor to, uh, to come and share communion and to share around it. Um, Strangely enough, like, I feel like often when we go to public speaking, it's like, oh man, what am I going to say? But for this time, I don't know why, I just knew exactly what I was going to say straight away. And um, I wanted to start by reading from Luke, um, I'm going to go from Luke 22, verse 17, which is um, the Last Supper. Right, so, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He then took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, during this, this supper, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. And it, like, I remember that Jesus was the man. He was, he was fully God, fully man. That he was, he was in flesh and blood, yet he was, you know, God's son. He was, he was divine. But there's something inside of me, in my humanity, which, which struggles with that. It struggles with the fact that a God would come down into a man's body. 
and that then he would die and rise again so that my sins could be forgiven. There's something that inside of me that says, why can't I do anything to, to earn that? You know, I want to I wanna be punished. I want to like, yeah, so I did something wrong. Now I feel like I owe God something. It feels, it, I feel like as humans, you know, at school, I do something bad, I get punished. You know, it's, there's this, this kind of like give and take sort of thing. But what God did here is he did something that isn't, there's no way that I can more earn what Jesus did for me on the cross. There's no way that I can actually be more like a, a better person to receive that. If you know what I'm saying? Um, there's, it's this message of grace where I feel like I know that Jesus paid the highest price, but something inside of me feels like it's live to earn. I feel like God spoke to me around, around my fasting. And I used to do this. I used to fast. And fasting is a great thing to do. It gets us close to God. But what I found is what God was doing with my heart is that fasting became something that if I felt like far away from God, I would fast. And for me, that would be like my like, okay, God, like I'm doing this for you. So now I can receive your, you know, your forgiveness and stuff. And God was kind of speaking to me and being like, no, that's, that's not how it is. Because at any moment I can ask for repentance and God will, will give me, you know, he will, he will free me in that moment. There's nothing I have to do. All I have to do is ask. You know, it's such a hard thing to do. And I feel like there's, we can definitely see that with one of the disciples, Judas. You know, he betrayed Jesus. And in that, you know, there was, he, there was too much guilt and shame that he ended up hanging himself. I, I so wholly believe that, that, you know, that there was enough grace. There was enough forgiveness for him, even though he betrayed Jesus. And I feel like us as Christians, sometimes I feel like we're going around hanging ourselves in shame and guilt, just like Judas did. Because we feel like there's something that is owed, you know. You know, the, the meaning of mercy is that it's compassion or forgiveness towards someone whom it is with one's power to punish or harm. You know, it was definitely in Jesus' or in God's position that, that he could, you know, um, punish us for what we've done. But he didn't. And if we look at the meaning of grace, it's undeserved merit, undeserved favor. It's not something that we deserve, but it's something that God has given to us. It's, it's just a gift of love that we have to receive, that we have to be okay with being the fact of being like, I have to put my pride out of the way. And I have to say, as much as I want to be worthy of this, I am not. And I just have to receive it. And this is something that I struggle with every, every day. I think we all struggle with this. But can we wholeheartedly put our pride aside and say, God, I'll, I'll accept your, your gift that you gave to me. You know, in Corinthians, um, we read Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, it's because of what he did. We have to remember that it was actually God who died for us. That, that is the highest price that could be paid for my salvation. That is the highest price. There is nothing more that can be done that would make me more worthy to receive his grace. And if we don't, if we, if when we look back and we remember Jesus and we remember this communion and we don't feel like that was enough, then like, what is, what is, what was the point? Why, why, why should he go to the cross and die if we still don't believe that that was enough? You know, it's hard stuff. What I really want you to to, to toy with tonight inside your heart to struggle with is 
Are there things that you're still, you're still clinging on to? Are you still hanging by the noose like, like Judas with your guilt and shame? Are you hanging on to it? Or are you saying, Lord, I believe that when you died on the cross, that you set me free. That when you died on the cross, my sin was forgiven. That you came in flesh and blood and you died. You broke the, the, the chains of hell and you gave us eternal life. That you said, I want you to come into relationship with me now. That that veil was torn and that now we're allowed to enter the Holy of Holies. If we, if we can take communion tonight, I'm going to get the, the people to come up the front and we're all going to come forward and get the, the juice and the bread. And um, I, want you to, I want you to think about that. I want you to say, Lord, is there any area in my life that I haven't actually let you have? Because it's this message of grace where we, <laughs> we just have to receive. We just have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I will accept your, your, your amazing gift. So yeah, let me pray. Lord, we just, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, that you paid the highest price. That where a debt was owed, Lord, that you paid it. And that there's nothing left, less, nothing left that we can do, Lord, except for just repent and receive. So Lord, tonight as we, as we take in communion, as we receive this, Lord, Help us to, to live in that new covenant that you gave us. And Lord, help us to, to sit and receive and be free. Yes. Yes, why don't you come forward and get the emblems and take them in your own time.
Yes, Lord, we just receive your freedom. We receive it now. We step into your freedom. We just break the chains of guilt and shame. We stand forward in victory. You died and rose again. Now we are free. We are free indeed.
rather be There's no place I would rather be There's no place I would rather be
to heaven, our hands to the Lord. Jesus asked a very interesting question of his disciples. He said, who do you say or who do they say that I am? And Simon, Peter, he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Arjona, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And Father, we thank you, Lord, this evening that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, we thank you that we're your children through faith in Christ. And that, Father, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, so you've separated our sins from us, that we stand in your presence, holy, righteous, washed by the precious blood of Jesus, just as though we'd never sinned. Lord, you call us righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done on the cross for us. So church, I just want to invite you to begin to express your thanks and your adoration and your honor to Jesus, the one who died for you, that you might stand here holy and righteous, just as though you'd never sinned, or because of what He has done. Come on, let's begin to lift our praise, to lift our thanks, to lift our adoration. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you for your awesome sacrifice for each one of us, Lord, that we can stand washed and cleansed in the very presence of God. You're an awesome God. We love you. You're an awesome God and we praise you. You're an awesome God and we exalt you in Jesus' name. Mighty is your name, O God. 
Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, O oh God. Hallelujah. Just as we're in this moment, begin to receive the grace from God, the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Receive His peace. Receive His joy. Receive His love. Receive His goodness, His faithfulness, His kindness, His patience, His gentleness, His faithfulness, His self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Father, thank You. Thank You. We love You, Lord. Stanley, I want to really encourage you tonight. I believe the, the Lord wants to say to you that His Spirit, the song of the Lord is in you. And as you play, tune yourself into Him and you're going to find the song of the Lord. There's going to be songs to be written down. There's going to be songs to sing as you allow the Lord to minister through you. So be encouraged. Don't hold back. Step out and step in to what God has for you and let the song of the Lord let it be written down. Let it be proclaimed in this very house. Amen. You go for that. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Isn't that good? That is so good. Why don't you grab a seat and let's put our hands together for the band tonight. I just want to honor you guys. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, church, it's my pleasure. I've been waiting for weeks for this. To introduce to you Pastor Rex. Pastor Rex has been in ministry for over 50 years. That's correct, isn't it, Pastor Rex? <laughs> yes. That is, for some of you, more than two times the time you've been on this earth, Pastor Rex has been in ministry. And what Pastor Rex hasn't seen is just really not worth seeing. He's seen so much. He's done so much. He's such a familiar face around here and at Vision College. So can we stand and put our hands together as we give a very big welcome to Pastor Rex. Thank you. Thank you. You may take your seats. <laughs> I think the last time I was with you, I mentioned that it's an experiment to put senior speakers up on the platform on the Sunday night uh, because they thought that we could tell some good stories and we might be able to draw some from our experiences and, and somehow be a blessing. And remember, this is an experiment, so if it works, you better tell Pastor Sheridan. If he doesn't hear, he just might change his mind. I was talking to Pastor Sheridan last Sunday morning about what he'd like me to talk about uh, to you tonight. And he said this, I want you to speak on an essential truth that may be hard to hear, but if we don't grasp it, then we won't have the fullness of God in our life. Uh, so, I want to talk to you about the bad news of the gospel. Uh, I'm waiting for the uh, PowerPoint to come on up, but I want to talk to you about some hard things to hear and things that are tough to take. So would you turn to somebody and say to them, um, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> put, <on your laughs> put, 
put on your crash helmet. <laughs> Get ready for the ride. Just might be a little bit rough. But look, I am very, very happy to be able to talk to you about this because I know you can take it. I know that you're able to respond to it. So it gives me great joy to be able to talk to you about a very difficult, essential truth. And I've got confidence in the youth of today that they will respond to the challenge for commitment and discipleship. You know, there are kids who get up at 4.30 every morning just to get on the track or to get out on their bicycle or to get out there doing their, their exercises because they've got a vision and they're working hard. And their sports teams and their academic pursuits, their teenagers and youth and young adults are making incredible sacrifices for. So I know you can take it. So that's why I'm going to share this with you. So maybe you should tell to somebody and say, look, I believe in you. I believe that you're going to make it. <laughs> I trust you. I have got confidence in you. When my son Norman was a teenager, he asked me, about what was required to be able to live a, um, a, a committed and a fulfilling Christian life. So I reached up into my bookshelf and I pulled down a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it was entitled, The Cost of Discipleship. So I handed it to Norman and uh, he opened it up to the opening page, first page. And he read these words. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So Norman looked at that for a little while. Then he closed the book and he handed it back to me. He knew exactly what that was talking about. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a young, single Lutheran pastor and a theologian in Nazi Germany. After Hitler rose to power, the Nazis tried to co-opt the German church, and unfortunately, a number of the church leaders allowed themselves to be committed to making the allegiance of oath to Hitler. Nazis tried to blend together Nazi doctrine and Christian truth together. Well, a number of Christian leaders like Karl Barth and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, they refused to do it. And they wrote a Barman Declaration that called on Christians to remember that their first allegiance, their first allegiance is to Christ alone and not to the state. And it was really... a a repeat of what the early Christians had when they were asked to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. And they said, no, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. And many of them gave their lives for that declaration. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer paints a vivid picture of what it was like to be a true Christian, true to the Christian faith under a hostile regime. And under persecution, Bonhoeffer discovered that even though God's grace is freely given to us, it also extracts a high cost. And Bonhoeffer was the one that coined the phrase, cheap grace. Cheap grace. When you felt that once you became a Christian, you could do whatever you liked. 
Bonhoeffer attempted to smuggle Jews out of, Jeru- out of, Germany, uh, out of Germany, and that led to his adre- uh, arrest. Later on, he uh, compromised. He, he uh, gave away his convictions about pacifism, and he engaged in a plot to assassinate Hitler, which was what finally led to his execution by the Nazis. And just one month, one month before Hitler was de- uh, defeated, Bonhoeffer knelt and prayed, followed his captors to the gallows, where he was hung as a traitor. Outstanding young, single, pastor and theologian. He knew what it was that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And he was picking up on the teaching and the example of Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, we'll turn to Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 28. And Ray didn't know that I was going to be teaching on this, but here's the passage that he spoke about Jesus being the Christ. Got your Bibles? Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he taught this plainly to them. See, Jesus understood and accepted the the place of suffering and death associated with his ministry. And it appeared to the disciples that he was saying that the end result of all of his hopes and all of his ministry was going to conclude with the, an execution like a criminal's death. And, and Peter was shocked by this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter rejected the idea of the cross. Like you, like me, speaking to Jesus, we say, now come on, Lord, be kind to yourself. I mean, your ministry is not going to end like that. You've got a, you've got a purpose. You've got a, you've got a mission to fulfill in life. Don't be hard on yourself. Take it easy. Don't go too far, Lord, with this whole thing. Now, now wouldn't you have said that to Jesus? Uh, this is too controversial, talking about death. Well... Jesus, turning and seeing his disciples, rebuked Peter. And he said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd around and the disciples, he said to them, listen to this, If anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. 
But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Hard words. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. But Christianity is, is, is a message of hope and joy. There's so many advantages, so many benefits of having Christianity in our lives. You know, the problem of guilt is dealt with. We've got forgiveness. We've got peace with God. We have victory over sickness and weakness and sins in our lives. We've got the hope of eternal life. Next slide, please. We gain a sense of personal self-worth and confidence and joy. The questions about the meaning of life, we gain a sense of purpose, gain a sense of, of uh, purpose. Oh, sorry, go back to one. <laughs> I'm out of order. Thank you. So uh, there's a whole new set of relationships that we have in our lives. And it's right. It's right for us to celebrate the advantages and the benefits of the gospel, isn't it? Yeah, there's great news here. Hallelujah. You know, turn to somebody, give them a high five and say, three cheers for Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> That's good news. Hallelujah. But uh, Christianity is a whole new way of living and a whole new lifestyle. And there are also some disadvantages in becoming a Christian. There's the difficulties like, um, next slide, thanks. <laughs> Trying to adapt to a new and unaccustomed way of living. And our, our former lifestyle and our wrong habits resist the change. And sometimes for some of us, our family and our friends will resist us. And of course, the devil is against us. That's not good news. That's not good news. You can tell somebody else that too. That's not good news to read out all about those things. And it's bad news for us if we've listened to what Jesus was telling us. There's a price to pay and we need to count the cost. And that's what Jesus said to his followers. It's not just about self-actualization. It's not just follow your dreams, you know, believe in yourself. It's more than that. On the PowerPoint, we've got there Jesus talking to a young man. No, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. Owen told me we were going to have some problems with the PowerPoint. Yeah. Okay. Have we got it? Yes. I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me, Jesus is saying. You know, two Sundays ago, here, Pastor Jan spoke about living wholehearted lives. And she told us about how our lukewarm lives repulse the Father. Remember that? We should be living as committed, devoted, staunch, enthusiastic followers of Jesus. It was a good message. I was down the back, I heard it. And last Sunday morning here, 
Pastor Sheridan, on reporting of his visit to India, talked about how he went to a Bible training graduation where the graduates marched in singing, Onward Christian Soldiers. And he was arrested with the fact that he knew that many of those young men and women on going out to plant churches would never come back. He knew that he was observing future martyrs giving their lives to follow Jesus. He said that one of their teachers had been brutally murdered just beforehand and body chopped up and scattered around their classroom. I mean, that's serious stuff. So Jesus spells out the requirements if you're going to follow me. Mark 8, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Take up your cross, Jesus says. To them he was saying, take up a symbol of death. All right. Put around your neck a hangman's noose. Put some electrodes from an electric chair. Carry around with you some gas, gas chamber chemicals or a cyanide pellet. Take around with you a firing squad rifle. That's a symbol of death. Put it around you. And a couple Sundays ago, Wayne Duckett led the communion here. And he reminded us that just three weeks ago, we'd all cancelled the service here and we'd gone up to uh, the Hoyts and we'd watched the movie Risen. You remember that? And Wayne reminded us and described the horrors of crucifixion. The cross was a bloody execution where men screamed in tortured agony and gasped out their lives and sometimes days of agony. Horrible, horrible. And it was saying, execute your plans, execute your ideas, put them to death. Give up your own ideas and your preferences. It's horrible. But today we've, we've sentiment, sentimentalized the cross, haven't we? You know, we put it around our neck and pendants and have brooches and, and we just have the poets and the musicians and oh, just writing, oh, so I will cherish the old rugged cross. We've sentimentalized it, you know, and we love it, don't we? When a, one of our sports heroes does a successful maneuver and does a cross, you know. We love that. All the symbolism. But we realize that the, the cross is not just a piece of wood that can be cut up and sold off as relics or, or uh, antique collector's pieces. The wooden frame is nothing. What is significant about the cross is the person who's on the cross, Jesus. That's what it symbolizes. And, and that's the principle that I want to talk about tonight. Because in the past, when we think about the cross... We think of the symbol of the cross. Hope we can get that. Right, got it. But, but the cross is not just the symbol that we have of an upright with a cross going. The real symbol of the cross is an X. 
because the cross cuts across, and it says wrong, mistake. Do it again. Learn from this. You've got to improve. The cross is a cross because it marks that something is wrong in our lives. That's what the cross means to us in our lives. School teachers mark exercise books and assignments with an X when the answers are wrong. We need to accept that we haven't got it right. We need to learn to do better. And God's way is continually crossing our way. God's way continually puts a cross against our own selfish ambition, our own desire to uh, promote ourselves, our demand to be seen to be right, our desire to correct people who have offended us. You know, that's our way. And the cross says, wrong, wrong. When we lay down our own preferences, and then we can qualify to receive his life. We get the tick. Let me tell you a little bit about my own story. That's, uh, that's why they get the seniors up here, so that we can tell you our stories. In my early teens, no, in my early 20s, I was recently married, living here in Hamilton, going to the church down Gray Street in Hamilton East, I had a desire for more of God. Still do. We sang about it tonight. I hope you meant it when you were singing it. I mean it. Every time I hear a, a, an invitation to surrender and give more of your life to God, I'm there. Still, I'm still there. And I got to a point where I said, God, I'm very unhappy with my life. I'm so shallow and superficial. Uh, I need to be deepened. Uh, I don't know what to do about it. So would you please deepen me, mature me, give me some quality and depth to my life. I didn't know what I was praying. I just said, Lord, I, I'm unhappy. I need more of you. So then I was taken through a series of painful experiences. The first thing was physical for 18 months, I had pain in my chest where I couldn't cough, sneeze, or laugh without incredible pain going through me. Uh, when I needed to go up a hill, I had to walk my bike up because I didn't have the breath. The doctors did all the tests, and in the end, they said, well, we'll have to open you up, Rex, to find out what's wrong with you. And I didn't want that at all. And uh, through that whole period, I came to a point where lying in bed one morning, I said, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you, yet will I love you. Came to that experience. Worked through that. And uh, carrying on with life as normal. And this prayer came back to me. Lord, deepen me. I want to be more mature. And then I went through another experience of incredible mental conflict and emotional strain included in the processes that I was going and I called it the process uh, the, the principal of our Bible school resigned and left and I was very close to him um, I had been a pallbearer for his first wife's funeral 
I was invited by him to be part of the wedding party for his second marriage, for his marriage to his wife, who was one of the older students at, at Bible school. And it created great consternation and conflict in the church. I don't know if you can remember that, Margaret, but we were in a lot of suffering and pain over that whole period. And people were accusing me and saying, you know, the reason why there's no blessing in this church is because Rex Meehan is still being friendly with the principal. All kinds of accusations and the stress. My own family uh, were feeling that I was compromising. Terrible. Terrible. And, and I would much rather have physical pain in my body than the mental anguish and the emotional turmoil that can come in suffering. I mean, physical pain is sterile, isn't it? You get over it and that's it, finished. But sometimes relational upsets and emotional stress can result in bitterness and resentment and that sort of thing. You've got to watch your heart. So we worked through all that and... Uh, I didn't realize what was happening in my life. But this prayer came back again. And I prayed, Lord, mature me. I'm too superficial. I'm too shallow. I need more of you in my life. And after that, I had gone through a process of preparing what I thought was a very good summary of the needs of the denomination and the churches. And I was a young man. I had passion for church planting and seeing growth, and so I prepared over a number of months a real good submission for my pastor. That was going to be the solution for our churches. And I took it along to him, submitted it to him. He sat down in his study. He read it through. He said, Rex, is this all your own work? I said, yes, it is. I mean, there were some other criticisms and unsettledness going on in the church, and he thought that they had influenced me, but no, this is my own work. This was the answer. He said, Rex, I'll give you one week to review your decision about this. And I knew what that meant. And I remember cycling back through Hamilton East on Gray Street just crying. Oh, God, this is the end. I've got no platform. I've got nothing to say. Nobody's going to take any notice of me. And it was a sacrificing of my own influence, my own offers of help. And after a week, I came back to my pastor and I said to him, Look, pastor, I really do believe that what I've written down is the right thing. But I retract it. I ask you to give it back to me because I'm not the person to say it. And at that point, I was laying down my own life. And I thought, I'm going to go through the rest of my life without any opportunity to influence my environment. I'll have to go through all my church life, never being able to make a contribution. And it was death to me. Death to me. So the, my pastor put a a poultice on a boil in my life and he drew out all the poison and I surrendered my rights. I surrendered my ability to be able to help and contribute and invest in other things. 
See, God's project is to make what he can't create. He can't create maturity. He makes it. And there's a process for going through that. Then one day I was uh, working at my easel as a commercial artist in an advertising agency in the, in the garden place there. And I sensed the Holy Spirit coming to me and say, are you ready, Rex? And I knew, ah, oh, more. And by now I was getting some idea of what it was going to involve. More of the process. And I just put my head down on my hands, my arms on my easel, and I said, yes. Knowing that there was going to be more process, suffering, pain, not really knowing what was going to happen. And a couple of weeks later, before Easter 1964, Denominational leaders came to us, to Irene and I, and asked me if I would enter into full-time professional Christian ministry. <laughs> well, was that a cross? Dumb, eh? See. Oh dear, time's going. Do I chop? It's okay? I was on ten minutes late. <laughs> All right. The natural way of thinking doesn't understand this whole process. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And the context of that verse is a comparison between natural and spiritual abilities and attitudes. To one it doesn't make any sense, to the other, it's the power of God. It's tremendous power. The natural mind only sees death and disaster and the finish, but the, the spiritual mind sees that there's a release into new life. And so we responded to the call to ministry. And uh, we did what Jesus told us to do. If anyone desires to follow me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And like you, if you were asked to do the same thing, you would, wouldn't you? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you'd go on into ministry. Hallelujah. Well, I burned all my bridges. I turned down the opportunity of owning my own advertising agency by the time I was about 30. And we went into Christian ministry. It's a, heard the story of a promising young executive who was offered a huge salary package to tempt him from going into the ministry and he responded and he said it's not, a, it's not a question of finance and income your job's too little it's a great thing to be called into Christian ministry and I would hope that there are young adults who are looking at older Christians and retired pastors and thinking boy I'd love to be a Christian minister that out of all the career options that you are thinking, you know, that would be wonderful to be able to do that. We hear too many bad stories about what the Christian ministry does to you, but it's so fulfilling, so important for us. So the cross deals with 
the human desire to gain benefits for ourselves, to serve our own ambition and get promotion. But in return, we get the exchange of all that Jesus can give for us. Hallelujah. I'm not going to give you a whole list, but here's one or two things that I have been really blessed about. Remember I was really concerned that I could never make a contribution again, that I'd no longer have any influence. Well, I've been an ordained Christian minister for over 50 years now. I've served in eight different churches. I've served in, uh, overseas in Singapore for two and a half years. I've been headhunted by two other denominations. And I've served in other denominations for two, three-year spells. I was on the executive council of our denomination for many years, which meant that I had a lot of influence. Um, I was the leader of our largest church for a decade. And that gave me privilege. And we planted a couple of churches from there. I was privileged to be part of two denominational select committees. One of them to deal with divorce and remarriage. You know, divorce was the unpardonable sin in our circles. If you were a divorcee, you, you were disqualified from everything. But we fought and we wrestled with it. And we sorted out our attitudes towards divorce and remarriage. I also was on a select committee that dealt with the whole issue of women in ministry, which was a fairly hot topic. And I was so pleased that we were able to bring women into full recognition of ministry, including able to celebrate the, the first woman to be appointed and ordained as an apostle. You know, so many other things that, that God has blessed me with. I won't rehearse them all to you. Lots of applications I could make. But let me just finish with two, shall I? To follow Jesus... I want to ask you, have you been baptized in water? Because this is one of the first steps that we can make to demonstrate that we are taking up our cross and following Jesus. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, the first thing is be baptized. It's an issue of obedience. And for some of us, that might not be our preference. That might not be our wish. It might not be our desire. But deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow Jesus. So water baptism is your next step. Do it. And I'll just, off the wall, here's an odd one that I'm going to make an application of. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to speak to you young guys. If you're planning on getting married, here's something that you need to learn before you make the vows, before the wedding day. Paul speaks to husbands and he says, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a cross, isn't it? 
That means denying your own preferences and desires, not claiming your entitlements. So guys, at the heart of every Christian marriage is a man who knows how to lay down his preferences, who knows how to lay down his own desires for his woman. And it's a good thing for you guys to learn it before you get married. So when you think that there are certain entitlements that you should have, when you think that you should be rebuking somebody because they've offended you, learn to deny yourself. Follow the example of Jesus and prefer the other person. Your boss, your family, your mother, whoever it might be. Guys, really, I ask you to learn this lesson of how to deny yourself, especially your entitlements. And this is a real big problem, isn't it, for, for our generation? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Now, there might be somebody here who's never, ever considered this before. You've never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus or ever wanted to follow him. And this is a hard kind of talk to ask you to respond to. But it could be that over the years or the weeks that you've been coming here, that, that you've got confidence in Jesus and you would like to follow him in spite of all the tough things that I've told you. So I'm going to ask you to all repeat a prayer after me. And for some of you, it might be a reinforcement. It might be a repeat of a commitment that you made in the past. And after we've prayed the prayer, I'm going to invite those who have said it for the very first time, if you would indicate it to me. So would you pray after me, all of you nice and loud together, Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for loving me and sending your son to earth to show me what you are really like and to die on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done and ask you to please forgive me. I'm finishing with those things and want to make a new start. Nice and loud now. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and change me forever. I want to live for you and follow you and be the person you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Renew my mind and show me what you want me to do. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I accept your forgiveness and confess that you are now my Lord. Amen. Hmm. Now I'm going to look up and I'm going to ask you if anyone made that prayer for the first time and you meant it and you've invited Jesus to come into your life. You want to follow him Make him the Lord. Would you indicate, just wave a hand at me, catch my attention somehow.
See your hand. Thank you. Someone else? Anyone else who wants to follow Jesus, deny themselves, take up your cross, follow him. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, I pray for my brother who has responded. I'm asking now that your Holy Spirit will do in his life what only you can do. Give him a new beginning. Cause him to be born of your Holy Spirit. Forgive him, of, forgive him for his past. Help him to turn away from his former way of living to follow you. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor Rex. Yes, let's give it up. Thank you so much, Pastor Rex. Wonderful challenge. Thank you for your openness and honesty, for sharing your story. Personal, special, very real. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, who enjoys talking about things of faith at home? Isn't that good to do, have a discussion with brothers and sisters? Even consider having a discussion with mum and dad. It's going to be good. So on the wall, we have our values. Purpose, kingdom focus, courageous, big-hearted, and belonging. And each week over this term, we've been having a take-home question. It's an opportunity to have a conversation at home with parents, with brothers and sisters, other people that matter in your life. And so the question for this week is, how do you, how do you practice activate values in your everyday life? How do you practice activate values in everyday life? So how do I practice being purposed, being kingdom focused, being courageous, being big hearted and practicing belonging? Have fun discussing that with one another. And if you don't have children at home, have fun discussing it uh, in your own household as well. And that would be fantastic. Well, I want to remind you, if you're a visitor, feel free to grab a um, visitor's pack through the auditorium doors on the right. Also, take these cards, fill them in, write a message to a missionary, pop it into the giving station. And uh, let's pray for as we give this evening, as we give with our hearts on purpose, as we make our contributions in the giving station. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give to you, Lord. We sow of our finances into kingdom purposes, into kingdom initiatives that, Lord, the gospel, the good news of Jesus would spread far and wide through the city, this nation, and the nations around the world. Father, I pray your blessing on every giver, your blessing on every household. May your blessing make rich, as it says in the Proverbs, and add no sorrow to it. And everyone said, Amen. Well, God bless you. Have an awesome rest of week. Well, you know the blessing and the presence of God with you. And if there's anybody here sick this evening, if you've got a sore leg, a sore arm, a headache, I want to invite you to come out and pray. I believe God wants to touch and heal you, make you well. So feel free to come if there's any other prayer needs. But God bless and uh, see you next week. Thank you so much, church. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Mission team. 
Um, next year in April, we're going into Thailand, into rural Thailand, and um, we're working with the youth there. We're going to have some youth programs, and um, I'm really expecting for God to move and, and bring freedom and, and transformation into that community. But we do need your help to get there. We have a fundraising event in two weeks on the Friday, uh, the 29th of April. It's $40 a ticket. Um, it's a golfing tournament, so even if you suck at golf, just come along. You know, bring your friends, hit some balls, spin some yarns, um, have a good time. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, we really need your help. So if you want any more information, head out into the, head out into the foyer and um, see Geneva and Rebecca. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. Has brought me to this place